But you know what Paul says about his bio? Paul says, not about his third heaven thing, he apologizes for that. I'm sorry I got to drop this into our conversation, but you need to understand what I could boast about, but you need to understand that the thing that I should only boast about is my weaknesses, because what I want to tell you about is how I'm a slave to Christ. I want to boast about how I'm a slave to him. I know it's not an impressive credential to somebody who has a whole lot of strength about the world, but you have to understand something that my credentials aren't based on on what the world says is strong. My credentials are based on what Christ says is strong. And, and I've learned something that in my time with him is that when I'm weak is when he is strong. And, and if I want to experience his strength and his power, it's not through me talking about boasting about how I went to third heaven, but it's about me boasting in my weaknesses because I understand when I boast about my weaknesses and my failures and the things in my life that don't go well or I'm not in control of or I don't have a handle on, that's when Jesus steps up to the plate and says, no worry, mate, I know you're struggling with that. I know you've got a weakness there, but let me show you how strong I can be in the face of your weaknesses. And we live in a world, men especially, where we're told to be strong and and don't cry, and keep it together. But the Bible doesn't teach that for you and I. The Bible teaches that our greatest strength comes in acknowledging our weaknesses. He goes on to say this in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 8. He says, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and God never did. You know, you can't have your head in the clouds when you're living with a backdrop of significant pain. And the thing is, is here in this situation, he suffered enough from it that he asked God, not just asked God to remove it, but begged God to remove it. Three times he begged him, please take this away. Please, please God, I'll do, I'll do anything for you if you just take this pain away. I will, I will do, but he, he learned something. He understood something that, that what looked like pain in the natural was actually God helping him in the spiritual. Because while he had the thorn of flesh, it made him reliant completely on Christ's strength. He understood that to keep me from becoming prideful and to keep me from thinking that it's all about me and that I'm doing everything and how amazing am I, God sent this thorn to provoke me so that I would always stay in the humble position of weakness, understanding that God's strength comes from that place. That the things that I need to do actually only can I get the strength from when I'm in a place of weakness? It might have had it in his thought that if God could remove this thorn out of my side, if he could get rid of this thing, then I'll have more time. I'll be able to do what is necessary. I'll be able to do a whole heap more for you, God. But, but what God is trying to show him and is trying to show us, it's not about what you can do. It's not your strength that is actually necessary. It's your weaknesses and where he shows his strength that he needs. He doesn't need your strength, because God is always strong. Goes on in verse 9, and it says, Each time he said to me, that is God saying to Paul, 
My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and in the trouble that I may suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And here's the thing, friend. I do this. You do this. We all do this. When we go through hardships, we complain. When we go through difficulties, we complain. We complain about the grief our kids are giving us. We complain about the grief that our husbands are giving us. We complain about the grief that our wives are giving us, or our boss is giving us, or life is giving us. And Paul says, no, 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 don't complain. Boast about those things. Boast about the hardships. Boast about the problems. Boast about the weaknesses. Boast about what's going on in your world. Boast about the sufferings that you're going on in Christ in a positive manner, and then and he says, because he understands for when I am weak, then he is strong. Oh, thank God I'm going through this hardship right now because I don't have the strength to overcome it. But I know this one thing, when I'm weak, he's strong. And when God turns up in my hardship and people see that it wasn't me that transformed my situation, but it was Jesus that transformed the situation, then my weakness becomes a testimony of his grace and of his power and of his healing and of all the things that he is. Oh, thank God that my my hardships can be a testimony of the strength of Jesus. Thank God that even though my marriage is hard and we've had to work hard to get to where it is, that it's a testimony of the strength of Jesus because if it was up to us, we would have left each other years ago. Thank God for the report from the doctor because I know that the doctor may say cancer, but Jesus says by his stripes, we are healed. I thank God that I get to go through weaknesses because in his weaknesses, he shows himself strong. And we so often, we want God to turn up in our worlds and we want God to show himself strong on our behalf. But really what you're asking for is you're asking for weak situations so that he can. And then we get those situations and we complain instead of going, thank you, God. This is not a bad thing. This is the beginning of the miracle. This is the beginning of... Oh, I see, God is always strong, but in our weakness, his strength goes viral. God is always strong. God is always strong. God is always in, char in charge. God is in charge of everything. God controls everything. Nothing happens that he doesn't know is happening. He is in control of everything. And oh, well, if he's in control of everything, then why does he let me go through this stuff? Because he knows that in your weakness is when he can be strongest for you. Because it's not until we're weak that we start to cry out to him. In our strengths, we try to do it ourselves. I, I had someone say this to me uh, about two weeks ago. Well, if, if God loves us so much, how come there's all this evil and horrible stuff in the world? And I said to them this, I said, okay, let me ask you this question. If God decided tomorrow to turn up and get rid of all the evil and the bad in the world, how long would you last? It's his grace that allows it. Because if he decided to clean it up, you and I would be cleaned up in the process. Because he is without sin, cast the first stone. Come on. Let's not be so judgmental about all these other people and forget there's a huge whopping plank sticking out of our own eyes. If God cleaned up the world of all its evil, we'd be cleaned up in the process. It's his grace that allows it to continue because he wants to save. And here's the thing. 
Where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. Grace abounds more in sin than it does in good times. His grace for you abounds all the more in times of weaknesses than it does in your time of strength. Because he's for you and not against you, yes? You see, when you get to the end of you, you find the strength in God that you'd never experience any other way. You won't experience that kind of strength in God until you get the end of you. Until you get to that place where you have nothing but him. I'm not saying that being strong is wrong. Let, let, me, let me clarify this for you this morning. Being, being strong and healthy, we, we want that, yes? God wants that. God wants you to be strong and healthy. God wants you to be strong in your education and get a good education. God wants that. God wants you to be strong in your values and, and what you believe are, are right values to live like. God wants you to be strong. But what Paul is talking about here is the difference between having strength and leaning on strength. Are you with me this morning? He's saying that in our weakness, we lean on his strength. And his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. You see, when we get into difficult times, we tend to lean on our strength. or We try to operate out of our strength. And God is saying, hey, I don't want you to be weak. I'm not asking you to walk around weaklings. I want you to be strong and in who you are, but I want you to lean on my strength, not your strength when it comes to life. I want your your life decisions and your life processes and the things that you decide and everything that you're doing be leaning on my strength in that process. Not on your ability, not on what you think, but lean on me. Lean on my strength. See, the world says, grow strong and, and then depend on your own strength. And God says, grow strong, but know that his strength is what really counts. So lean on that. We hear things like, we're taught to believe, you can do anything you set your minds to, but Jesus says, we can only do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're taught, never let people see you cry, but Jesus says, Christ shines best in your weaknesses. The world teaches you one thing, but God's trying to say something else. Without him, we can do nothing. Yes, whatever you set your mind to, you can accomplish as long as you lean in on his strength and not your strength. Just make sure that what you set your mind to is what he wants and not what you want. Because if you set it to what you want, then you'll be relying on your strength to get you through. And friend, your strength just ain't very strong. You see, you've got to understand something. God doesn't, God doesn't work around weaknesses. God doesn't work in despite of our weaknesses. God doesn't demonstrate his strength even though we are weak. You have to understand something that God's trying to teach us today is that God doesn't work around your weaknesses. He doesn't work in spite of your weaknesses. But God actually demonstrates, demonstrates his strength precisely through the middle of your weaknesses. When he sees your weakness in your world, he doesn't bypass it. He doesn't go around it. He doesn't circumnavigate it. He goes straight through the middle of it 
And that's when his strength comes. He goes through your weakness. He doesn't go around it. He doesn't try to avoid it. He goes through it. And in going through it, he brings his strength with him. You don't want him to avoid your weakness. You don't want him to bypass your weakness. You want him to go straight through the middle of those things that you are weak about, those things that you are struggling with, that area in your life that you're struggling with. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's pornography, whatever it is. You don't want God to circumnavigate it. You don't want him to bypass that weakness. You want him to drive straight through the middle of that weakness so that he can turn up with his strength in the middle of it and bring change and transformation. We don't want him to avoid, I don't want God to avoid my weaknesses. I want him to turn up in my weaknesses. I don't want him to avoid my insecurities and the issues that I have around things when, when people leave church and I feel like they've rejected me and, and I get all upset about it and get depressed about it. I don't want God to bypass that. I want God to drive straight through the middle of that insecurity. Because if that insecurity doesn't have his strength, I'll be ruled by it. It'll control me rather than God control it. I want God to turn up in the middle of my weaknesses. I want him to drive right through the middle of them. As Jesus doesn't hold auditions and interviews to find the best people. This is not a Hollywood movie script where they're putting together a crack team to break into the prison and get somebody out. And so there's the lead of the team, and his name is Bud. Bud's a master of disguise. And, and then there's Carlos. He's the computer hacker guy. And then there's Sarah. She's the weapons expert. And then there's Johnny, and he's the demolition guy. That's not how God works. God doesn't put together a crack team of people to do something. What Jesus did is he walked along and said, Hey, fishermen who failed to become followers of a rabbi because your education wasn't good enough. Yeah, you guys, that all you know how to do now is fish. You can come follow me. Hey, tax collector guy who rips off people and betrays everybody around him and everyone hates you and wants to kill you. Come follow me. You're, you're part of the crew. You're part of the crack crew that's going to turn this whole entire world around. And the thing is, is that the disciples did turn the world around because in Acts it says that the 12 of them turned the world upside down for Jesus, but none of them were crack demolition experts or weapons experts or, 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 uh, or experts of the scriptures or anything. They were just fishermen and tax collectors, fishermen and tax collectors, people that, that nobody paid any attention to, gave no time to, and God says, oh, you're the qualified, hey, come on over here, this is going to be great. And then the rest of the ministry time of their lives from that day on, we see time after time that God was glorified through the disciples' consistent weaknesses. That's why Jesus kind of said, you have lack of faith. In other words, you with your weaknesses, why can't you believe? I love it that the disciples were so weak because it gives me great hope and it gives you great hope that it's not about being a crack team of followers of Christ. It's actually about turning up with our weaknesses and going, you know what, God, I'm not going to avoid them anymore. I want you to drive right smack through the middle of my weaknesses. And then I too will have a testimony like the apostles had, like the disciples had in Acts 4.13 when it says, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unskilled, uneducated, ordinary men, they were astounded, but they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that these unskilled, 
useless, hopeless, outcast of society was blowing their minds because they had obviously been with Jesus and God was glorified, not despite their lack of education or talent, but because of their lack of education and talent. God was glorified because of their stupidity, because of their uneducatedness, because of their unintelligence, because they were failures of society. God was glorified because of it, not in despite of it, but because of it. Because people looked at them and said, they could only do this if they had been with Jesus. I want my life to be the kind of life where people look at me and go, that's impossible that that could ever happen because Craig's so dumb and so thick. And I am half the time, trust me. I need God sometimes to turn up in the middle of the night with a neon sign saying, this way, stupid. That's how he talks to me sometimes. Seriously, he does. It's like, Duh, I've been saying this for weeks. Will you finally listen to me? I want him to rock up in my world so much that people go, it's impossible that Craig could achieve that because we know him. It must be Jesus. It must be Jesus. I want him to turn up in your world. And people go, there's no way. There's no way Isaac could do what he's doing. It has, something's going on here. It can't be him. It can't be Ashley. It can't be Rimmer. It can't be Anna. It can't be Earl. Something's going on here. It can't be them because I know them and, and they can't. You know, like, what good thing could come out of Nazareth as Jesus is walking around? That people would have to realize, well, well, if it's not them, then it must be Jesus. It must be him. It must be him. It was their weakness that made space for God's power to be demonstrated. And I think my number one weakness or my number one priority, if I'm honest with you this morning, is that my pride and my insecurity are involved in an ongoing conspiracy to cover up anything not in their interest. My pride and my insecurity just runs around pushing things aside that I really need to deal with, but let's not deal with that because that would mean we'd have to face it. That would mean I'd have to be vulnerable. My number one weakness is deliberately trying to be ignorant to my weaknesses. Can anybody, oh, don't put your hand up. It's like, really? I have a problem in that area? I never realized. I probably have realized that for a long, long time, but I'm just going to act dumb and stupid and pretend I haven't. It's like when you go to your kids. Who did this? We don't know. Well, it was one of you. No, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. So some invisible person walked into the house and did it. You know, we, we spend our times trying to be ignorant of our weaknesses. But to be honest, I just don't want to know what they are. Because once I know what my weaknesses are, now I'm vulnerable. Now I'm vulnerable. But here's the thing about vulnerability, and I want to encourage you this morning as I come about a close, I want to encourage you about vulnerability this morning, is that real vulnerability actually takes courage. Real vulnerability actually takes courage. You see, we live in a world looking for validation, you know, Facebook likes and Instagram likes. We're looking for validation. We're looking for people to validate us. But friend, what you need to 
do is you need to find that friend that you can be vulnerable with. Vulnerability is being real with someone real. Someone real. A real person. It's saying to a trusted friend that has earned, hear me this morning, earned the right to hear my honesty. Not just anyone or everyone. A trusted friend that has earned the right to hear my honesty. To hear me say, I'm not doing okay. Will you pray for me and check on me and ask me how I'm doing? If we are going to be faithful in our weaknesses, we're going to have to be vulnerable and we're going to have to find someone. And please hear me when I say this this morning, someone who has earned your trust, earned the right to hear your vulnerabilities. Some people are like, oh, well, I I don't know if I can be vulnerable to my friends. I don't want to hurt my relationship. Friend, I, I can tell you this right now, that your vulnerability will never hurt your relationship. It's just not true. In fact, vulnerability in a trusted friend strengthens your relationship. Vulnerability in a marriage strengthens a marriage. Hiding things from one another de-strengthens the marriage. Hiding things from your parents, guys, de-strengthens your relationship, de-strengthens the support they give you, de-strengthens the things that they can pray a covering over you. Parents trying to cover up things and make it out that it's not so bad to your kids de-strengthens your relationship with your children. I know, I was a pastor's kid my whole entire life, and I knew stuff was going on in the church, and my parents would act like everything was great and fantastic and amazing. And in my opinion, at 13, 14 years of age, I got sick of them lying to me. Just be honest. I don't tell my kids details, but I'll tell them I'm having a rough time at the moment. Some stuff at church ain't going too good. I don't say names or situations, but I'm honest. Don't try and act like you've got it all together for your kids. You're not doing them any favors by acting like you have it all together because then they're going to grow up with a false sense that they should have it all together. We need vulnerability, friends. We need to be open and honest and we need to turn around and say, you know what, i got a weakness in that area. My biggest prayer is, is that my kids' weakness in parenting won't be my weaknesses. I know it's hard to believe, but Trinity and I aren't perfect in our parenting. It's hard to believe, I know. It's really quiet here this morning. You see, I don't know how many times as a pastor or as a husband or as a dad or as a friend that I've turned away from the challenge before me because I just wasn't sure that I had what it took. And I was afraid to face the idea of my weakness. And then I start to think to myself, how many blessings have I missed out on? Not because I wasn't capable, but because I wasn't vulnerable. How many things have I missed out on God rocking up into my world and showing his strength on my behalf and doing incredible, amazing miracles in my world, not because of my capability, but because I just wasn't vulnerable enough to let him drive through the middle of my weakness and show himself strong. You see, rather than delighting in my weaknesses, I I want to pretend that they aren't there like all of us do. But in 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says this, we were under great pressure from beyond our ability to endure. They were under incredible pressure beyond 
their ability to endure. So in the face of that pressure, what did they do? Since they didn't have what it took to do what was in front of them, because they were too weak, did they quit? Like, what did they do? And in verse 9 it says, But this happened, that we not, may not rely on ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Once again, he says, We're under so much pressure, we can't handle it. But thank God that we're in this position because he's going to rock up. But this happened, this whole situation happened, that we may not rely on ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. All of a sudden, there's a faith that starts coming to their world. There's a, there's a belief in their hearts that's starting to come, that even though I'm in a situation that I can't handle, oh, thank God this has happened, because this has happened so that he can rock up. This has happened so the God that raises the dead the one that has the power over life and death can rock up into my world. Thank goodness I'm overwhelmed. Thank goodness I don't have the ability to cope with this because if I don't have the ability, then I step into his reliability and he rocks up into my world and then it's not about me, but it's about him. And in my weakness, people are going to see Jesus and not see my weakness, but they're going to see his strength. And I want a life that has that. I want a life that does that. He wants us to learn to trust in his strength rather than in our own. You know, I, I did a few years ago, I don't know if you guys have done this, but I did a course called Strengths Finders where you do all these questions and, and stuff and it, and it shows you what your top five strengths are about you. And, and I remember writing those strengths up and laminating them. You know you're serious when you laminate something that you've written up. Lamination is just takes it to a whole nother level. You can write something down, but if you laminate it, it's like that's, that's serious stuff. And it was on my wall in my office and my five strengths were there sitting proudly, futuristic, ideation, you know, oh, oh how cool are your strengths? And, and other people did it too. And like, what are your strengths? And what are you? And we're talking about each other's strengths and everyone's, displaying their strengths everywhere. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to do, but but what I find is that the Bible teaches that I shouldn't have my strengths put up on the wall, but what I should do is weakness finders and put my weaknesses on the wall. Because he doesn't show himself strong through my strengths, but he shows himself strong through my weaknesses. And I get a statement in my office that says this, through God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So the question is, not is it possible, but am I with God? Or am I letting my weakness get in the way of Him being with me because I'm too scared of people seeing my vulnerability? But if I could just get out of the way, then God would get in the way. And when God's in the way, it always works out for my best. What I should have on my wall are my five top weaknesses. Sea salt potato chips. You hear what I'm saying? The world, guys, men, want to celebrate your strength, but God wants to celebrate your weaknesses where he can show his strength. And nothing says a man of character than a man who gets on his knees and fights like one. Where he cries out to his God for his family. He cries out to God for his children 
and for his finances, knowing that, yes, I have strengths in all these different areas of my world, and yes, I have strengths in my career, and yes, I have, but I'm going to lean on your strengths, and I'm going to make sure that my weaknesses are covered by your strengths. I'm not going to stand on my two feet. I'm going to stand on your two feet. And the picture I got, and my kids used to do this to me all the time when they were little, not so much now, but they do the whole thing, you know, where you're walking around the shopping mall or whatever, and they stand on your feet, yeah? Parents, dad's got this. You stand on your feet, and then you hold hands, and then you walk around with them on your feet everywhere. Holding their hands, walking around everywhere. Just carrying them going to the same spots that they're going to, but carrying them in your strength and not their strength any longer. I shared this illustration a wee while ago that when my kids were little and you go to the surf beach and you know what you do, you hold their hands and the wave comes and you say, jump, but in reality they're not jumping the waves, you're lifting them over the waves. And they turn around and they say, daddy, daddy, I'm jumping the waves. And it's like, Honey, you're not a wave jumper. I'm, a, I'm the wave lifter. And when I think of Jesus and I think about my weaknesses and I think about what he wants to do, I just get a picture of me in the surf. And like my kids that were little, where I think I'm jumping waves, but he's the wave lifter. He's just lifting me over every single one. His strength, oh, there's a weakness. His strength just lifts me over. Every wave of weakness that comes. And he never turns around and says, hey, pal, it's not you, it's me. You're not really a wave jumper. He lets me walk around in life going, man, I'm a wave jumper. I jumped that weakness. I dealt with that insecurity. The reality is I never dealt with it. He just lifted me over it. His strength just drove me straight through it. And brought me out the other side. And people go, man, oh, there's a strength to your life. It's not my strength, friend. It's his strength. It's his strength. He just lets me think it's me. Because he's just a great dad. Just like I let my kids think it was them. They were jumping the ways. He lets you think it's you. But it's actually him. And I just think this morning there are some people in this place. They need to understand that God's strength shines in our weakness. And if there's something that I want to do in my world is I want to display my weaknesses on my wall, not my strengths. I want to display where I'm weak because I know that's where he'll be strong. And I'm going to lean on him and lean on his strength, not try to deal with things on my own and just go, you know what? Let's jump waves together, Jesus. Let's jump waves together. Why don't you close your eyes this morning in this place? I don't know everybody here this morning, but I, I know this much. I know, I know Jesus loves you. I know Jesus is for you. I know that if God was a mean God, then he'd crush us in our weaknesses, but he doesn't. God loves us more in our weaknesses. It's almost like the, the weaker we are, the Almost the worst position, the, the, the badder the situation is, the more God enjoys it because it enables him to show you how amazing he is. It allows him to show you how powerful he is. 
It allows him to show off as the saviour of mankind. And if you're here this morning and you've never ever known a God that loves you in such a way that he, he, he doesn't shame you in your weaknesses, but he actually brings glory for your weaknesses. He actually strengthens you in the very core of where your failings are. That's the kind of God he is. Never exploits you, but always exalts you. The Bible says this, that he exalts those that humble themselves. Those that understand that I can't get through life without him. He gets hold of and he exalts them to places that you'd never believe you could go. Why? Because he loves to work on your behalf as long as you're honest about where you're at.